The name Patrick Eugene Prendergast probably does not ring a lot of bells today, and it didn't back in 1893 until late October of that year when Prendergast rang the bell at the home of then-mayor of Chicago Carter H. Harrison and shot Harrison dead. This is the story of the assassination of Mayor Carter H. Harrison. I'm Tommy Henry, and this is the Chicago History Podcast. October of 1893, the World's Columbian Exposition, also known as the World's Fair in Chicago, is coming to a close. One of the greatest displays of a city literally rising from the ashes and rebuilding after the Great Chicago Fire two years before, the fair had been host to 27 million visitors. This was at a time when the entire U.S. population was around 65 million people. One of Chicago's first prolific serial killers, H.H. Holmes, was creating his own mayhem. And about nine miles north of the fair, a disgruntled 25-year-old newspaper employee feels he's been wronged and has a score to settle. Carter H. Harrison was born in Fayette County, Kentucky, near Lexington, on February 25, 1825. Only eight months old when his father died, Harrison grew up in comfort eventually attending Yale, graduating in 1845. He then studied law but did not pursue it. He returned to his family's farm outside of Lexington, managing it for the next four years. From 1851 to 1853, Harrison traveled abroad, visiting England, Scotland, Egypt, Syria, and parts of Asia before returning to Kentucky to further his law studies at Transylvania University in Lexington, where he graduated in 1855 and was admitted to the bar. Also in 1855, Harrison married Miss Sophonispa Sophia Preston of Henderson, Kentucky, They would go on to have ten children together, six of whom died young. Harrison also made his first visit to Chicago in 1855. He was so taken with this city and, according to PBS's American Experience, disgusted by his home state's practice of slavery, he returned to Kentucky to sell his property there, netting $30,000, close to a million dollars in today's money. In Chicago, he invested the money from the sale of the Kentucky property in a block at the corner of Clark and Harrison Streets. He also invested in a property on the west side where he would eventually make his home. In 1874, Harrison was elected as a Democrat to Congress and was re-elected two years later in 1876. It was in September of 1876 that his wife Sophia died suddenly in Germany. His older children with their mother overseas, attending school there. A grief-stricken Harrison traveled to Germany to bring his children home to the States. He chose not to run for Congress a third time. Three years later, in 1879, Harris ran for mayor of Chicago for the first time and won. I should mention, mayoral terms were only for two years back then, and after Harrison's first term, he was re-elected for a second. During his second term, he got remarried this time to a local Chicago woman named Marguerite Stearns in 1882. Harrison was re-elected for a third mayoral term in 1883. In 1884, while mayor of Chicago, Harrison ran unsuccessfully for governor of Illinois, losing to Republican Richard J. Oglesby. 
Harrison was elected for a fourth mayoral term in 1885. After the death of his second wife in 1887, Harrison chose not to pursue politics and instead traveled the world once again with one of his sons and the son of a friend, later writing a book about their adventures called A Race with the Sun. During his time as mayor in the 1880s, he could often be seen riding a horse through the streets, greeting people as he passed by. Harrison was twice a delegate to the Democratic National Conventions in 1880 and 1884. At the 1884 convention held in Chicago, Harrison was a strong supporter of Grover Cleveland, who would go on to be elected to the presidency that fall. Fun fact, Grover Cleveland served as the 22nd president of the U.S. from 1885 to 1889 and the 24th president from 1893 to 1897. He is the only president in U.S. history to serve two non-consecutive terms in office. Let's hope he keeps that title for a long, long time. More on Harrison's political career in a moment. On the night of October 28, 1893, Patrick Eugene Prendergast knocked on the door at Mayor Carter H. Harrison's house at Ashland and Jackson. He had stopped by a half hour earlier, but was told to come back in a bit. This time, he would stop at nothing to see the mayor. When I told my youngest what I was working on for this week's episode, he asked, didn't the mayor have security? Having grown up not far from where former Governor Rod Blagojevich lives and former Mayor Rahm Emanuel lives, my youngest is used to seeing security details positioned outside of the homes of public officials. I had to explain to him that back in 1893, it just wasn't really a thing. Politicians were often approachable at all times of the day, including at their homes, especially Harrison, who found great pride in being available to any of Chicago's citizens much like musicians used to be until December of 1980, changed all that. Patrick Eugene Prendergast was born in Ireland on April 18, 1868. His family emigrated to the U.S. three years later in 1871, and by August of that year they arrived in Chicago. According to the Transactions of the Medical Society of the State of New York, published in 1895, quote, his paternal grandfather died insane. His mother had repeated attacks of hysterics. When four years old, Prendergast received a severe injury to the head by falling from a bench and was unconscious for a considerable length of time, vomiting almost constantly for four weeks afterward. He was a peculiar child, solitary in his habits, irritable, easily excited, had a poor memory, was dull and backward in school. At puberty, he became distrustful and antagonistic to his parents. Listen, I'm a guy who likes to tell stories about Chicago, and all of my medical training comes from watching doctor shows set in Chicago, like ER. But the fall and the symptoms he experienced after sound like, at the very least, a severe concussion, and at the worst, a traumatic brain injury. I mean... 
Prendergast's father died when Patrick was 13, reportedly of consumption, an old-timey term for a wasting away of the body, uh, likely tuberculosis. At 16, he left home because of imaginary persecutions. Prendergast got a job working for the Chicago Inter-Ocean newspaper, one of the biggest in the city at the time, overseeing newsboys. He spent much of his time when he wasn't working alone, studying books about law and politics and writing postcards, more and more postcards, hundreds of postcards to the most powerful men in the city. Prendergast was a big supporter of Carter H. Harrison, who was seeking his fifth term as mayor of Chicago in April of 1891. With Prendergast's help, or so the delusional Prendergast thought, Harrison would win the election and reward Prendergast with a new job for all of his efforts. Harrison went on to lose that election while running as an independent by fewer than 4,000 votes. Prendergast was crushed. He vowed to double his efforts if Harrison were to run again in 1893. We'll be right back. Are you a Caribbean American? Are you looking for a podcast that truly speaks to your culture and identity? Look no further than Carry On Friends, the ultimate destination for all things Caribbean American. Hosted by me, Carrie Ann. Dive deep into topics such as culture, heritage, and everyday life through the unique lens of the Caribbean American experience. You'll walk away feeling more connected to your roots. Follow and listen on Apple Podcasts so you'll never miss an episode of Carry On Friends, the Caribbean American experience. Your Caribbean American community awaits. Harrison did run again in the next election, and Prendergast ramped up his mailing of postcards in support of Harrison. Most recipients of the postcards discarded them as they appeared to be from a complete kook. Carter Harrison proved to be a popular choice, running as a Democrat this time around, and according to Eric Larson in his must-read nonfiction book, The Devil in the White City, Prendergast, quote, took pride in Harrison's renewed popularity and believed his own efforts at promoting the ex-mayor for re-election had had a lot to do with the campaign's new momentum, end quote. According to Larson, Prendergast, quote, understood that political machines operated on a first principle of power. If you worked to advance the interests of the machine, the machine paid you back, end quote. Mayor Carter H. Harrison owed Prendergast for all of his efforts, at least in Prendergast's mind. We'll be right back. Hey, if you're enjoying this story, have a listen to episode 223 of the Chicago History Podcast about the killing of Mayor Anton Cermak. Or, if you like stories about slimy Chicago politicians, episode 117 looks at William Hale, Big Bill Thompson, one of the most corrupt mayors in Chicago history. Both are available now wherever you enjoy podcasts. And now, back to the program. Carter H. Harrison was elected to a fifth term as mayor of Chicago and was sworn in on April 17, 1893. Two weeks later, on May 1st, the Columbian Exposition opened in Chicago. Later that fall, on October 25th, a small notice ran in the Chicago Inter-Ocean newspaper. 
the same newspaper that employed Patrick Eugene Prendergast. It read, The marriage of Miss Annie Howard of New Orleans to Mayor Carter H. Harrison of Chicago will take place Tuesday, November 7th at Biloxi, Mississippi. While friends thought the now 68-year-old, twice-widowed Harrison would not consider getting married for a third time, he had found love with the not-quite 30-year-old Annie Howard, a New Orleans heiress. Sadly, their marriage and happily ever after would not come to be. More from the transactions of the Medical Society of the State of New York regarding Patrick Eugene Prendergast. He professed to be a Roman Catholic, yet he criticized the Pope's administration of the Church. He claimed that his prayers and electioneering elected Mayor Harrison and that, therefore, he should receive the office of Corporation Counsel, and that once appointed, he simply needed the authority of this office to elevate speedily the tracks of the railroads so as to put a stop to the slaughter of lives at the present railroad crossings in that city. When the position was filled by a skillful lawyer, he repeatedly called upon him and demanded he vacate the office to which he, Prendergast, was alone entitled, end quote. The tracks Prendergast sought to elevate speedily would later become the L system of Chicago, something which Mayor Carter Harrison was in favor, and publicly so. Prendergast was not a well man, but this was at a time where he might have just passed his odd without any sign of the violence to come. In early October of 1893, Patrick Eugene Prendergast, impatient that he had not been appointed as corporation counsel yet, made his way to City Hall. He was surprised when he introduced himself to the clerk, and the clerk did not recognize his name. Prendergast explained that the mayor himself planned to make him Chicago's new corporation counsel, to which the clerk laughed. Prendergast seethed with anger and asked to see the current counsel. When that man, named Kraus, came out to greet him, Prendergast introduced himself as Kraus's successor. When those in the room smiled quizzically at him, Prendergast became uneasy. Growing more angry at not receiving the welcome he expected, he left. Saturday, October 28, 1893, was American Cities Day. 5,000 mayors and city councilmen accepted Mayor Harrison's invitation to come to the World's Fair. Among those in attendance were the mayors of Philadelphia, New Orleans, and San Francisco. Harrison spoke to the crowd with great enthusiasm, and friends in attendance say he appeared full of life. At 2 p.m. on that same day, Patrick Prendergast walked to a shoe dealer on Milwaukee Avenue and purchased a used five-shot revolver. As he had heard this particular gun model was known for accidentally going off when dropped or even bumped, he left the chamber under the firing hammer empty. He loaded the remaining chambers with four bullets. After spending most of the day at the World's Fair, Mayor Harrison returned home that evening exhausted. He had supper with two of his children, Preston, 24, and Sophie, 19. His other children were grown and out of the house. At around 7.30 p.m., the bell at the front door rang. Harrison's parlor maid, Mary Hansen, answered the door and found a gaunt-looking, clean-shaven young man who asked to see the mayor. The parlor maid told him to come back in half an hour. 
With supper finished, Harrison went to a back room to lie down to rest. His children went upstairs, and Mary Hansen and the other servants of the house sat down to have their own meal. At 8 p.m., the front door bell rang once again. It was the ill-looking man again asking to see the mayor. Hansen asked him to wait while she went to get the mayor. She walked to the room where the mayor was resting to let him know he had a visitor. The maid then headed back to finish her meal. Instead of waiting at the door, Patrick Prendergast walked into the house and upon reaching the room was startled when the door opened. Patrick Eugene Prendergast was face-to-face with Mayor Carter H. Harrison, the man he felt owed him for all of his work getting him re-elected. There were no witnesses to what was said by Prendergast to Harrison, but the servants heard the sound of a brief conversation and of hearing the mayor say, quote, I tell you, I won't do it, end quote. Drawing the used revolver, Prendergast fired three times at Mayor Carter H. Harrison. The first struck him in the abdomen. As he fell backward, a second shot penetrated his chest just above the heart. The third shot hit Harrison's left hand, likely raised as a defense to the onslaught of bullets. Prendergast ran from the house. Outside, the sound of three more shots echoed through the night air. Harrison's coachman fired a shot from his own pistol into the air to alert police, and then a shot was fired at Prendergast. Prendergast returned fire at the coachman and continued running north on Ashland Avenue. A neighbor across the street ran to Harrison's house as Harrison's son Preston came downstairs to see what the commotion was all about. Mayor Harrison's daughter Sophie soon followed. As the life began to fade from Carter H. Harrison, he asked those trying to make him comfortable about his wife-to-be, quote, Where is Annie? Why doesn't someone fetch Annie? Twenty minutes after being shot with two of his children by his side, Carter H. Harrison softly said, Annie, before dying at age 68. Harrison's beloved Annie and his son Carter were not able to make it to the house before he passed. Annie was reportedly so distraught she had to be sedated. Patrick Eugene Prendergast turned himself in at the Desplaine Street Police Station. Hearing the news of the murder, a large crowd began to form outside the station. Fearing the crowd might overtake the building looking for vengeance, a group of police-spirited Prendergast away to the better-equipped Central Police Station. Prendergast admitted he shot the mayor and said he had been planning on doing so for a few days. Patrick Eugene Prendergast was indicted two days after the crime by the grand jury. Harrison's funeral was held on Wednesday, November 1st, 1893. His magnificent hearse was pulled by four coal black horses, each covered in heavy black silk. Behind the funeral car was Harrison's favorite horse, saddled up as though waiting for its rider. A band of 175 musicians were on hand. The service was held at the Church of the Epiphany at the corner of Ashland and Adams, which was built just eight years before in 1885. The church would later be added to the National Register of Historic Places on February 5, 1998, and then shuttered in 2011 when the congregation was down to just six. It was later converted into a performing art space and gallery called Epiphany Center for the Arts. 50,000 citizens followed the procession with another half million people paying tribute along the route. Shopkeepers hung pictures of the late mayor in their windows 
and boys looking to make a quick buck sold morning badges on the sidewalks to those angling to get a better look. Carter H. Harrison's final resting place is Graceland Cemetery in Chicago. The trial of Patrick Eugene Prendergast resulted in a guilty verdict four days after Christmas with the execution set for March 23rd. Prendergast's brother appealed the sentence, claiming that Patrick Eugene was insane, and as the law of Illinois forbade the execution of a prisoner deemed insane, a stay was declared and an insanity trial ordered. The attorney for the appeal was the not-yet-famous Clarence Darrow. It was Darrow's first murder case and the only one he ever lost to the executioner. Although experts and some not-so-experts were brought in to evaluate Prendergast, the public's desire for retribution was too strong to sway the outcome. The appeal was denied, and a new date for execution was set for July 13, 1894. The night before his execution, Prendergast allowed Father Muldoon to visit him and offer spiritual consolation. Prendergast appeared calm and reportedly slept well that night. On July 13, 1894, the morning of his execution, Patrick Eugene Prendergast woke with a strong appetite. After eating two meals, he started showing signs of nervousness. At 11.30 a.m., he began his walk to the gallows. Once at the scaffold, a jailer placed a rope around his neck and a white cap over his head. At 11.48 a.m., the floor dropped from beneath him, and with a crack, his head turned to one side, his neck apparently broken in the fall. Nine minutes later, he was pronounced dead. Prendergast had made no sound from the time he left his cell, having been persuaded by the sheriff to not make a final speech. His body was placed in a pine box and later buried in an unmarked grave, allegedly near his father, in Calvary Cemetery in Evanston, Illinois, just north of Chicago. Carter H. Harrison's son, Carter Harrison Jr., would, like his father, go on to serve as mayor of Chicago for five terms from 1897 to 1905, and then 1911 to 1915. Carter Harrison Jr. was the first Chicago mayor to have been born in the city. So beloved was the first Mayor Harrison that in 1897, the Carter H. Harrison Memorial Association was formed. The group began raising money for a monument to the fallen leader, For every contribution of $1, donors would receive a certificate and a medal certifying their participation. In 1907, an eight-foot bronze statue atop a granite pedestal was installed in Union Park at 1501 West Randolph Street. Originally, it had a bronze plaque and two ornamental lights on either side. The plaque and the lights have been missing for many years. Harrison High School on 24th Street in the South Lawndale neighborhood, which was in operation from 1912 until 1983 when it closed, was named for the first Mayor Carter H. Harrison. Harrison Street in Chicago is not named for Carter Harrison. That is named for President William Henry Harrison, a distant cousin of Carter H. Harrison.
Thanks for listening to today's episode about the assassination of Mayor Carter H. Harrison. If you have any questions about anything covered today, anything to add or have an idea for a future episode, I'd love to hear about it. Send me an email at chicagohistorypod at gmail.com. In the show's notes are links to books I'd recommend if you'd like to learn more about these subjects. I will have plenty of news clippings and photos I'll post on social media throughout the week. If you're on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, please give us a follow. Please take a moment to rate and review the podcast wherever you listen and tell a friend about us. The original art for the Chicago History Podcast used on the social media pages was created by John K. Schneider. Thanks, Johnny. He can be found at AngelEyesArtJKS on Instagram or via email at AngelEyesArtJKS at gmail.com. I will be back next week with another chapter in Chicago's history. Until then, get out and explore when possible. Learn more about whatever city you live in and stay safe.